And we are back, and we just finished watching 2001's Donnie Darko, rated R with a runtime of one hour and 53 minutes. This is currently streaming on the new Max and comes to us from writer-director Richard Kelly. This is the story of Donnie Darko, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, a young man with, I guess, emotional issues or... He appears to be schizophrenic. Yes, that's what the therapist said, right? hallucinating he's seeing imaginary people he uh, he also has like a, a sleepwalking issue yes and comes to interact with this crazed rabbit named frank who tells him to do things yeah <laughs> we actually saw this in the theater and so enjoyed it theater. Way back when. Way back when. Pre-children, pre-marriage Koch. with Mayor Koch. Yeah. And um, we enjoyed it then. I I think I've seen it on cable every once in a while, but I've never sat through it from start to finish again. I, yeah. I think like you, I, I remembered bits and pieces of it, but not the whole story. Mm-hmm. It's hella trippy. <laughs> it's, it's a weird movie. It is a weird movie, uh, but it's still enjoyable. Still enjoyable. I mean, it, the the story definitely brings you along for for a ride. That's there's definitely something mysterious going on. There's something more than just some one character's uh, mental issues. Yeah. Uh, there's time travel involved. There's Theor- social theories comedy. on tra- time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of social commentary. I guess science wormholes and science with wormholes, time whatnot. Travel. Or discussion about it. Or right? discussion about it. I don't. Con- I still am a bit baffled by the end. Well, I feel like he went back in time to erase everything, so that yeah, I I get that part, but I I honestly I don't understand how he got back in time. He must have understood the. Not mechanics of right, but the way they were the back. way they were describing it was you need some sort of metal thing, uh, ship going which, faster than the speed of light. Which his mother and his sister were in. Well, no, no, no. It was just the jet engine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the whole plane. It was just the jet engine. But the jet engine was going through that vortex. Right, but the mother and the sister weren't inside the jet engine. No, they were, the, they were on the plane. Mm-hmm. The jet engine goes back in time. Right. How did Donnie go back in time? Because you just see him sort of standing on a hilltop, right. looking in the distance at this sort of like tornado-looking thing, and then suddenly it's he's he in his be- he's in his yeah. bedroom, or he's in his bedroom and it's he's in his, he's in his bedroom laughing. Because I think he because I th- don't you see the calendar and it says October second. So no, you no, no, no. I understand that he is back. Him laughing in his bedroom is him back on the day that that happened. Mm-hmm. But how did he get back there? So my theory or my interpretation was either he dreamt all that stuff that was going to happen. So all of that stuff maybe happened on a different timeline or he somehow figured out a way to come back to that point in time and in doing so realizes that He's now going to undo the next, what is it, 28 days. So, and that's why you see him laughing at the end and just 
kind of turning over and like laying down and going to sleep because he knows what's going to happen. He knows that the jet engine is going to come through because in the original, I guess, timeline, his sleepwalking saves him from being crushed to death. Yeah. He wakes up on the side of the road with his bike. Or was that the one when he was on the golf course? I don't remember. It was either one of those. So he had been sleepwalking and that's the thing that saved him. In this scenario, he's gone through these days, but he's come to kind of figure out like the wormholes. Like he's asking the teacher like all these questions. So he has some kind of basic understanding and I'm assuming he read the book and he left Roberta a, a letter which may or may not reach her or she may understand. I mean, she'll, she'll go. It, it seems like maybe she knew because it was like she was always going to the post, the mailbox, mailbox. waiting for something. And then. So, so wait, are you saying that the original timeline was Donnie not following the, the thing that comes out of his chest and that's why things were different and that, at the end, he decides that he would, like, he would have followed the timeline? I guess. I mean, again, it, to uh, me, it's two different things. It could be that he dreamt the whole thing, and then he woke up and just realized the irony of it and just laughed and then just accepted his fate and went to sleep and, and got killed. But in the process, he saves... The girl. The girl, right, Gretchen. So... You have that scenario, right, where it could have this all could have been a dream, or you have the scenario where he actually does come back in time because it just it seems so coincidental that the thing that was leading him was that guy in the suit who ultimately kills Gretchen. So he does this character Frank comes from somewhere. He's the guy that he murders at the end, right? But you don't know that twenty eight days before. Right. 28 days before, he's just some imaginary friend that Donnie has whipped up who's telling him to go on these crazy crime escapades where he's vandalizing the school and he's setting fire to this house, but ultimately dis uncovering this, this crazy thing. So everything, to me, is intentional. No, I, I, I agree that, yeah, everything everything is intentional because... I guess he sort of knows what's going to happen, but maybe he he's not aware of the fact that he knows that it's going to happen. Maybe that's what's causing the the schizophrenia. Or maybe he's like this he's, conduit he's, who's he's not, like, a, because he is open to these like messages and messengers, maybe they think it's schizophrenia, but maybe it's not. Maybe he's just more aware well, than yeah, other that, that, people. No, what I, what I was thinking was he's not schizophrenic. He's just seeing... He's just seeing through time. Right. Because there is that one bit where he sort of like looks inside one of those streams. Right. And then suddenly his girlfriend is next to him. Right. So I don't know if he did something there or or what it was. I mean, if he was, if it was something that it was coming towards him mm -hmm. and then he looked inside of it. So it wasn't him. No. That was causing that thing to form. Maybe that was her portal or whatever, her wormhole. But it, it seemed like he was kind of in tune because he talks to that the little chubby girl and he's like, I want you to know that everything's going to be okay. And she like runs away. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. I, it's funny because originally when I 
the first time I saw it, and it's funny because I don't think I ever discussed this movie with you after we saw it. No. I don't think we ever discussed movies after we saw them. I mean, other than I hated that or that was good. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't. And we promptly would eat, I think. That was was like movie, food. But I think the first time I saw this, my interpretation was that he went back in time and he sort of erased his own existence. But Yeah, that's that's sort of like what you think. But the problem with that is that based upon the what they're describing as what you need the i guess the ingredients of time travel he didn't have that mm-hmm. so how did he get back to the bedroom uh, unless like like you like you said that this was a dream was, of was just sort of like an alternate timeline that we were in mm-hmm. that he was seeing and so it wasn't really like a it wasn't stone. really like a, a schizophrenic delusion. It was just he was seeing what would have happened if he had not, because they were describing it as the path that God laid out for you. Right, right. If he had taken the path that God didn't lay out for him. Mm-hmm. And that's what this, that's what the, the length this, of this movie was. Right. And then he decided, like at the end, after, I'm seeing, do- after seeing this path, I'm just going to stick with the original path and just stay in my bed. Yeah. And boom, right. the, the jet engine falls on him. Right. I mean, it's open to interpretation. It's, it's, I think yeah. the the I think the the writer slash director. I think that's his whole intent. You can. This is. I'm presenting you with a story, and you can do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. It still works. It's as ambiguous and as weird as it is at times. It still really, really works, and it still really resonates. I think that. He captures the whole aimless young man, internally hurting voice really well. I think Jake Gyllenhaal does a bang up job here. He is he is to me anyway. I feel like he's an an underrated actor. I know that he's popular and I know that he's famous, but I feel like when we have a discussion of of really good actors, we don't really. I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal is the first name out of people's mouths. No, I, I agree. I agree. He's he's definitely way better than than I think people give him credit for yeah and I think it's it's kind of interesting because he's got an interesting range I think he can do like the serious stuff and he can do goofy things and I think that he excels at both yeah and um yeah he's definitely I mean he's I think now in his 40s so he's still a young-ish actor Mm -hmm. and uh, it's interesting to see his filmography and this is one of his earlier like lead roles if not the lead role that kind of put him on the map yeah I think so so it's nice to go back and see kind of his origin story as an actor and then just see the progression from there any other thoughts uh, not really. I mean, if, if you're into weird, trippy, sort of philosophical type movies. Set in the 80s. With an 80s, 80s. With a great 80s soundtrack. an 80s soundtrack. Uh, yeah, this, this will probably hit all your buttons. But yeah, this, it is kind of weird. You, you will, you may find yourself confused at various points. Yes. Yes. Um. And I think that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Let's talk about Patrick Swayze's character. Oh. Jim Cunningham. <laughs> yeah. 
just giving all those, the platitudes about life. Oh, believe in yourself, whatever. Love, hate. Love. Yeah, there's only love and there's only fear. Fear. Love fear and fear. And love and fear. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he, he was pretty much playing the self-help trope guru t- sort of thing that was kind of really popular back then. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are probably still around those people yeah. like that. You don't really see them that much, maybe because we don't watch regular television, so we're not seeing the late night TV commercials. Yeah. Well, I think now you have so much the, content, so much. Yeah, so it's, it's easy to so get much lost content in that. that. You don't really see. But guy, yeah, I agree guys with like you. the guy, the that gigantic guy with the teeth, and yeah, and uh, all the other ones, all the like Tom yeah. Vu and, and all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, Most of those I, for guys sure. have like proven to be frauds. It's it's funny because well, not so. Another interesting thing about this movie, as I was watching it the second time, because I I, I want to say this is only my second time viewing it, because this is really the only time that I've sat through it from start to finish. Was these kind of stereotypes the um, the woman Kitty, who's the sort of like what is she, a gym teacher slash the uh, one who's like the head of Sparkle Motion? Yeah. Her, she, like, al- she, she is, always plays that part. She does, but it's it's funny because that is a stereotype, and it's really well done, and it's really well fleshed out. You really don't like her, and you really just I found her hypocrisy just irritating. So she does a great job. I think the Jim Cunningham character is also a stereotype of not all self help people, but just. There are charlatans within that community. Let's be honest. Yeah, they I, try I would, to capitalize. I would, I would go so far as a most of them. Yeah, they try to capitalize on, I guess, the fear and love in people, and and use that to their advantage. I mean, he's living in this fabulous house. Yeah, well, he I mean, has that's, made yeah, a that, that's how fortune. They, that's how they make their money. They, you're at a low point in your life. You're desperate, and, and here suddenly somebody. here comes some guy on TV who's just like, "I've got the answer to everything. Look at me." When I started, I was five foot three and and four hundred pounds. Now I'm seven foot six and chiseled muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So All that's from positive belief. Yeah. So that's like another like yeah. stereotype, right? You have like the the edgy teacher in this little town yeah. who's like Drew, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, Drew Barrymore's yeah. character who's teaching kind of subversive things, and it, so. It was just interesting to watch it from from this vantage point. Again, I, I think absolutely I loved it the first time that we saw it. I, I liked it a lot now. I don't think I was as enamored of it as I was the first time around. Yeah, because it was more new. Yes, like th- yes. That sort of like weird cinema. Yes, very. It was, oh, you're going to, this is going to leave you thinking. Yes, And, and yes. stuff like that. Yes. We, we've been, ex- we've experienced a lot of that and, uh. Since then, and Since I think then. also just, I think this this kind of film plays best for like, for lack of a better word, a virgin audience, because it's like, if you haven't seen it, obviously it's more impactful. Yeah. Whereas we've seen it, we know what it is, and we've since lived, oh my God, 20 years. More than 20 years. More than 20 years. Oh, God, <laughs> this movie? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It came out in 2001. Yeah, this movie could vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Vote and go to a bar now. Yes. I, I think I read a trivia thing on IMDb about how this this was released a little after um, 
9-11 and mm-hmm. how they kind of downplay the the jet engine the jet engine house. stuff yeah i i didn't even correlate the two so yeah i guess back then that was all everybody's thinking about so yeah there's apparently there's a director's cut as well which I, it's it's funny i don't know how i feel about those things like i feel like the director's cut of a sixth sense ruins the film it's terrible yeah he, it's he, awful they give away everything and like that that stupid scene that they cut out it should have stayed cut. They should have never put that back in. And like, I think every time they show it on television now, that's the one that you see. Yeah, it's just upsetting. Yeah. So I mean, there's. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the IMDb page. There's. It's pretty long. I'm not even going to go into it. But there's apparently a director's cut with different things happening in here. I don't know how I feel about that, but whatever. Well, I haven't seen it, so I don't care. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, or just go right into numbers? No, nah, I think, uh, like I said, if if you like sort of like trippy, philosophical type movies, especially dealing with time travel and free will versus fate, I guess check this out. Yeah, you you might like it. It's like I said, and it's also it's it's kind of creepy. Frank is a disturbing image. Yes, for sure. Is not a normal bunny rabbit. <laughs> It's got a little drama. It's got a little sci-fi. A little drama, a little sci-fi. Jake Gyllenhaal's very good. He's also can be quite creepy in this. Yes. He has that weird smile of his. Yeah. And it always, it felt like he was in a perpetual haze, but I'm assuming it's that, that's the medication. Yeah. I think that they, they explain part of that is, is the medication. And that's, when you have issues like that, the medication they give you is affecting your mind. So Right. And especially you're young. I especially mean, when you're young. Yeah, he's I mean, a high schooler. We've seen those documentaries where kids are just over medicated beyond belief and like yeah. you now they're like permanently twitching and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> gotta be gotta be careful with that stuff. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna say between one and ten, I would give this an eight. I think from where it starts to where it ends, it's it's quite the journey. It's very interesting. I think the beauty or one of the beauties of this film is that it really does leave a lot of ambiguity and it sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't it definitely works here I don't think it takes away from the story I think that you come to it with your own personal experiences and I think that you leave with your own personal experiences and maybe a lot of questions (laughs) yeah like like, I don't I don't I don't know if it like for me I don't I don't think it was ambiguous i just think that there was they left a lot of room for you to speculate as to what exactly is occurring uh which like you know we just discussed like how does it all work mm-hmm. how does it how does it fit together what do all the little pieces mean i mean i definitely feel like there was a uh there was like a blueprint in this movie that they were following mm-hmm. and finding out how all the pieces work together, you know, that could leave, you know, that, that could bring up a lot of discussion if, you know, you're, you're into that sort of thing. Otherwise you could just go with the flow and watch it and just be like, what the hell did I just see? (laughs) And it's still, it's still, I feel like it still holds up a movie that's over 20 years. It still holds up. I think if it, uh, 2001 me would have probably given this an eight. I, I think now me gives it a seven. 
right, fair enough. Fair. It's still a high score. It's still decent. Yeah. The, it's I think good, it's no, still, it's it's a good movie. It's a good uh, movie. Yeah, I think it still warrants viewing. I think mm-hmm. that if you like strange stories, this is for you. If you're into science fiction, if you like dark stories, this this is all this all plays into your wheelhouse. Um, there's a bit of nostalgia with the music and and stuff. And all all the performers are do a really good job, even the ones that aren't on the screen for very long. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal in particular is really really good in this. Uh, Mary McDonald, the the mom Rose, she's great. It I think it's inspired casting that they cast Jake's real life sister Maggie as his sister Elizabeth in this, which is hilarious. I feel like Jenna Malone, who plays Gretchen, doesn't age. She looks the same here as she did. Many many years later, in Pride and Prejudice, as Kira Knightley's sister, so uh, it was nice to see Patrick Swayze, who's no longer with us, but also not a big integral part of the story, but puts on a good performance as yeah. this kind of weird self help guru guy with kind of strange undertones, which come to light towards the end. Very young Seth Rogen. Very young Seth Rogen. Yes. I picked that up. I was like, is that Seth Rogen in the back there? Uh, Beth Grant, who plays Kitty, the woman you love to hate. (laughs) The PCA mom you love to hate. She is always in that same hairstyle, too. Always. She's like caught in a time warp in the 50s. She has never aged. No, she's she's another one. I think she's playing the same role in recent movies, too. And she's just that annoying lady who she's either a religious zealot yeah. Or some sort of prudish mom or Yeah, yeah. Or what? Like Yeah. Yeah, really, really, really great uh I think this was his directorial debut for Richard Kelly. Yeah. Don't I don't think, think so. I don't think he did anything before that. It doesn't hurt to go see it. And if you have Max, I think uh this'll be a, a good use of two hours. Yeah. For now. It's on Max. For now it's on Max, so catch it before it's gone. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Nope. Okay. So that's it from us, and we will bid you all a good night. Good night.